you know, simply speaking, if they have multiple charities that they want to support, it's certainly easier to give one gift and then tell that donor advised fund provider to, to disperse it to five or 10 or 20 charities. You know, it saves time and effort on the side of the donor, makes it simpler, and then they get a report to see all that they've done. Welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there. Through retirement planning education, resources, and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it, and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then let's get started. Welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified. Today, we're happy to welcome Denise to our show to speak about donor-advised funds. So, Denise, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Delighted to be here. So, uh, well, Lindsay and I are excited to have you on the show because we've been you know, talking to some clients about donor-advised funds. And to be honest, I get some mixed reactions, but I don't know that it's so much what a donor advised fund is. I think sometimes it's just how I describe it. So I'm really excited (laughs) to hear how you describe it. So I'm going to jump right in if that's okay with you and and just ask if you can describe to our audience, you know, what is a donor advised fund? You know, how would you describe it to someone who's interested in charitable plan giving and maybe interested in a different way of maximizing their giving? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh, donor advised funds, remarkably, have been around for over 100 years. Community foundations started them um, in the 1920s, but they've really taken off and become much more popular in the last 15 to 20 years as, you know, the financial industry, advisors like yourselves have gotten interested in, in how they're working and how they help their clients. But a donor advised fund is actually an accounting term in the not-for-profit sector, and it just refers to a a fund that's set up separate from the operating funds of a charity. It's a restricted fund, so it doesn't commingle with the operating money, and it's held separate in the name of the donor. So the donor has privileges and choices around the money that's held in that fund about you know about dispersing it and how much to disperse it and and a number of different options that give them an ability to make a more impactful and thoughtful gift by using this vehicle. It's really a vehicle that holds charitable donations that can be dispersed over time to for charitable purposes. Okay. Maybe, uh, sorry, just, I'm thinking if you could talk a little bit about when people, I guess, are donating to the donor advised fund. Right. Before that money's dispersed, what's happening with it? And does it need to be in there a certain amount of time? Or can you talk a little bit about the requirements for dispersing that money? Yeah, I can. So, Donor advised funds are offered by registered charities, usually public foundations. So a fund is already sitting on the books of a registered charity. That underlying charity will have its own policies and procedures in place. So a donor's experience will be different with different donor advised funds, depending on what the policies are at at that organization. So a community foundation will operate very differently than 
than Canada Gives operates. We're an independent donor advice fund provider. They, they have a different focus in charitable giving and different procedures and policies they follow. So you're going to have to know, I have some questions with the, the DAF provider, the underlying foundation. But effectively, we all have to comply with CRA rules and everybody. So regardless of where that donor advice fund is, we all have some basic requirements. CRA has just increased the minimum disbursement that's required every year from a donor advised fund or a foundation. And that is actually a, a complicated formula, but it's basically 5% of the average assets in that fund based on a two-year average. So at Canada Gives, we calculate that so everybody knows what that is every year, but it's basically 5%, sort of less the first two years, but it's 5% on average as the minimum. There are no rules on the maximum. So uh, from our perspective anyway, we don't impose any rules on that. You can give away as much as you want, as long as you meet that maximum, which is 5%. Okay. I'm just curious, uh, in terms of a donor advised fund versus a foundation, what would you say is the, are the differences or the similarities? Well, the similarities, they're both charitable giving structures or vehicles. So you make donations to that structure, to that vehicle, and you get a tax receipt. So often the benefit is time, right? It could be November or December, and you need that tax receipt for that year. <laughs> so, you know, and you have if you have a big gift to make, a big charitable gift to make, you want to make it and then have, take time afterwards to decide how to disperse it. Both a, a foundation or a donor advice fund will give a donor that benefit. That it's sort of saving time to get a, a tax receipt for one big gift that can then be dispersed uh, later. And, you know, both structures give you time to think about what you want to do. So donation donors can be more thoughtful, more strategic in their giving. They can take time to develop a giving strategy. They can make longer-term gifts to charities, right, enter into multi-year commitments and scholarships and pledges and you know, often that means you get to know that charity better. You get to know how your money's being spent. You get to know what the measures of success are. So it allows donors to to really know that their charitable dollars are making a difference in how they're being used. And so I think there's a lot there's a lot of benefit to setting up a, a giving structure, whether that's a, a donor advised fund or a foundation. One of the benefits, however, and the reason why donor advised funds are now sort of outpacing foundations and outpacing every other kind of giving style for major donors is that they are so easy and so flexible and so low or no cost. Again, those those things vary by provider, but you can basically set up a donor advised fund account in a day and make your donation the same day. And a private foundation is going to take six to eight to nine to 10 months to set up. You have to hire a lawyer and uh, and get involved that way. With a donor advised fund, you're just setting up an account at an existing foundation. There's no legal work, time, costs, or anything involved. It's just hassle-free. As one of our donors said to us, she said, Denise, I'm going to tell my neighbors all about Canada Gives because you take the pain out of being generous. <laughs> <laughs> so, so donor advised funds are really very simple and easy to work with versus a private foundation, which which takes time and costs. And if we were looking at, so we have a donor advised fund and we compare that to say giving directly to a charity, what would be the advantages of the donor advised versus giving directly? On a simple note, I mean, that's sort of a multi-layered uh, question. You know, simply speaking, if they have multiple charities that they want to support, it's certainly easier to give one gift and then tell that donor advised fund provider to, to disperse it to five or 10 or 20 charities. 
you know, it saves time and, and effort on the side of the donor. It makes it simpler, and then they get a report to see all the, that they've done. But and if they're complex, complex gifts like gifts of securities, I mean, it's a lot simpler to give to the donor advised fund person. A number of charities aren't even accept, accept up to accept complex gifts like that. So, you know, there's a lot of ease that happens in using that donor advised fund in those situations. But again, you know, essentially, while donor has more, more control over how that money is managed and dispersed by using a vehicle like a foundation or a donor advised fund if it's set up that way for them. So for uh, I'll give you an example of a fellow that was supporting only one charity. His, his child had a, a, a disease and he supported this charity that was wonderful and had done all his life and intended to support it all his life. But he had a very big year in his business and was able to make a big gift of $250,000 and he felt very excited about that and of course gave it to the charity and you know had the all the recognition and the pictures with checks and all of those things and it was very important to him but he said to me <laughs> we met him too late unfortunately but he said to me how come they keep calling me he said that was my lifetime gift and I said well and he didn't know you know how they'd spent it or what they'd done with it I said you may have got more fulfillment out of it and the charity would have been able to understand what you wanted better if you'd put it in a donor advised fund and given them fifty thousand dollars a year for five years and set up some you know some program and direction around that and some terms and criteria that made you comfortable both sides benefit actually so you know that's one of the reasons to use a donor advised fund if, if those kind of things are important to the donor. I guess then the uh, the flip side of that is if they don't follow through on the criteria you set, then you could always redirect those funds somewhere else and you haven't made that entire gift and, and lost all you're saying and how it's used. Well, you know, Joe, that's a very good point. And we've had a number of our donor advice fund donor clients have set up scholarships. And believe it or not, I mean, those are very straightforward. People understand scholarships. They wonder why use the donor advice fund versus give it to the university or college. But we've had situations where that program stops at the college or they don't have an applicant that year or, you know, that has made it. So, yeah, it's better to have it in the donor advice fund and redirect it. They can redirect it to that university or, or not, but at least they haven't sort of given their money for something that they don't want it to be used for. For sure. And you've kind of given maybe two examples there between the the scholarship and like the larger fund, uh, the $250,000 donation you mentioned. So, but typically do you see, you know, are most people trying to, you know, just have the kind of those terms and get the money out over several years or are more people thinking about legacy and, and creating a larger fund where they're, you know, you talked about the minimum earlier being around say 5% of that two-year average. Do you see more people trying to maintain that principal or capital in the fund and, and have an ongoing giving strategy? We help people develop an ongoing giving strategy. I mean, normally when they open a donor advice fund, they're, they're used to sort of ad hoc giving, right? Which we call ad hoc, where it's individual gifts once in a while and you know not an organized approach to it necessarily, even though they may support the same kinds of charities every year. But yeah, very different when you set up a donor advice fund that has a long-term view and add to it over time you know most people do that and and especially working through financial advisors they know kind of between october and november what their tax situation might be so you know they'll give add to it and it'll grow over time as well as grow in how much it gives to charity so there's such a benefit in having a longer term 
strategy. And that doesn't mean forever. And yes, you can give from the capital without giving from the capital. You could give from the investment returns only. And we track that in our report so people can make that decision. So every year, you know what the investment returns were in total from the last year. And we use that as a suggested maximum guide although they can do whatever they want. But yes, many people say, I'm going to give from the growth and you know, not encroach on the capital so that it'll go on for a long time. That gets, that gets challenging in markets like this year's. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. It's kind of like a retirement income planning strategy. You want to kind of keep the capital in place, but it doesn't. markets don't always cooperate. No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of our clients, most of our clients are retired or they're getting, or they're pretty close to retirement. And a lot of them are, they're coming to the realization that they're not going to spend all the money that they've accumulated during their working years. And so they're getting more comfortable with the idea of charitable plan giving. So just curious, when do you see most often, if there is a most often or most typical situation, but what would you see most often as kind of a point where people start using the uh, the donor advised funds? Well, I'd say our average donor advised fund client is 55 plus. That would be our, mar- our, our target market. So it is at that point in their life, either they've sort of had a big event like they sold their business and now they're you know looking at what, what to do next and semi-retire or fully retire. Or it's when they're looking at their wills, you know, the kids are okay, they've graduated from university, everybody's kind of fine. And so they tend to look at this level of charitable giving, which is really major giving at that stage in their life. It's a lifestyle thing. And on occasion, a big tax event thing that sort of prompts it. But you're right, it's sort of, it's that time of their life. So while our our market, if you will, for donor advised funds is 55 plus, I'd say our average our average age is more like 65 plus. Okay. Okay. And that's that's kind of what I would have expect, expected, but it's good to actually hear that from you. And I'm curious, in, in sort of following up on the last question, how much did, would someone need to start a donor-advised fund? Like, would that's it be- a very, could, Yeah, that's a very good question. And we've actually thought about this a, a lot because while there's great value in having a charitable giving vehicle and you can get your kids involved after a point in time and all of that, they're still, I mean, if they're too small, I personally don't think you should be setting up a, a donor advice fund if it's too small, because we all have to take some administration cost off of it. And, you know, we started with a minimum of $25,000, and there's many, many out there that are $25,000 minimum. There's some that are even five or $10,000 minimums. There's, we now suggest, recommend $100,000 as a minimum sized account. Because, you know, 5% of that is still not a big gift to the charitable sector. And we don't want our, our admin fees, slight as they are, to erode those small smaller accounts. So even at $25,000, you know, we have audit costs and legal costs, no matter what size the account is that we bear. So there have to be admin costs on that and, of course, staff. So I really suggest it should be $100,000 or more. People can certainly start at less with lower. but I think at ten or twenty five thousand, you should just give it directly to a charity. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, that's fair, absolutely. So I t- I tell you, Lindy, the sweet spot, the sweet spot for a donor advised fund, the ideal sort of range to be thinking about is two hundred fifty thousand to a million. You know, that's a lot smaller than it than it's recommended to do a private foundation, for example. Most accountants will now say it really should be five million or more. So. 
at 250 to a million, even if you grow it to that size over time, you know, you're you're entering into that ability through that long-term giving, that legacy giving, at a much more affordable level, but still not insignificant. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So can you maybe, Denise, just tell us a little bit about Canada Gives and how you're helping people implement donor-advised funds? Well, thank you. That's very nice of you to ask. Canada Gives started 16 years ago. I'm the founder. It was kind of lonely out there when I started. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't a lot, but the banks were just starting to look at it and start into that area. But we have uh, made a commitment to, we're an independent provider, so we're not aligned with any, we're not commercially aligned with any investment company or bank or firm. We're aligned with the donor as as you are, Joe, so that, you know, we want to fit to be the right fit for the right, you know, we should be the right solution for the right type of donor. And I don't believe one size fits all, but we we try to be very focused on each individual donor and doing what they want philanthropically. So we impose no restrictions, no rules, no limitations outside of CRA rules, which everybody has to follow whether they know them or not, Yeah. even with a private foundation. So our commitment at Canada Gives is to give people the exact same experience and choices and as they would have with a private foundation, but without all the hassles and burdens. We have also made a commitment to being to adding value to the not-for-profit sector. So we very much introduce our our donor advised fund clients to all the tools that are and resources that are available to the well-established foundations that they may not even know exist. Things like managing grant applications so that you get more in-depth information on specific charitable programs, how they're going to measure success. How they're going to use your money, who else is contributing, that kind of thing. So you can make really, really deeper decisions, get more deeply involved with key charities and, you know, really feel like you're making a difference. So we invest a lot of time and talent in helping people get familiar with the not-for-profit sector and all the resources that are there for them. Yeah, that sounds really great. And so if someone is interested in, in learning more, Denise, how would they find you getting in touch or, or learn more about Canada Gives? Well, they could ask you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good start. They can certainly find us at canadagives.ca. We'll make sure to include that in our, our show notes as well for anybody who's interested and would like a link to take a look. Yeah. Perfect. I'm well, gonna... that's great, Denise. Look, we really appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us here today. And we're um, doing a, a few episodes on charitable plan giving, but this is one I, I definitely wanted to make sure we got in there. So your insights have been super helpful. Uh, for me, it's great to hear from you again. So thank you very much. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready 
to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.